Welcome to the Golf Barons Podcast, Tenuous Links, a golf pun we're not only incredibly proud of, but one we're also sure to emulate. Let us careen through bloviated opinions on all things golf, some outrageous innovation ideas to speed up the game, a few laughs, and an historical retelling of an iconic golf moment. Time to add some swagger to your swing. Hello Barons, today's podcast is brought to you by the awesome Daphne's Head Covers. With more than 50 head cover options, they're a great way of expressing your individual personality on the course, and a brilliant gift this time of year. We're all hoping to see Frank out here with Tiger Woods for the President's Cup, but why not grab your own Daphne's Head Cover with a character that best suits you? Philby, I'll be getting you a giraffe head cover for obvious reasons. Welcome aboard. Damien, hurtful. Nice to see you, though. <laughs> Great, mate. Wait, let's get straight into this episode of Tenuous Links. Philip, what do you hate? I'd rather hear what you hate first this week, Damien. I always get to serve first. All right. I'm, I'm more than happy to uh, to kick things off. For me this week, one of the things that I hate, it's, it's the letdown of walking off the 18th hole after a round of golf feeling really hungry and thirsty and in you go you finally get into the into the clubhouse and you're dished up substandard fare or more to the point let's be honest i'm talking more about the drinks you order a gin and tonic and it's getting dished up with pre-mixed mixes it's a pet hate of mine you're paying through the nose for this stuff which is fine by all means by all means charge me for it but when i ask for a gin and tonic and some decent food i'm not looking for a pre-mix with dim sims and nuggets no i and Wine degustation or gin degustation does not generally call for the nugget GNT combination, but I agree, no problem paying. I, I don't think anyone's got an issue in forking out the dollars within yeah, reason. Kip is not, not big on it. No, he's, he's very big on getting shouted. But give me the right stuff. Give me good food, give me good drink, and, and wow me, finish the round off in the right way. And particularly if you're playing at a course, it really should have that kind of standard. So you've paid, I mean, this happened to me recently. I won't name the course for obvious reasons, but it had a really, you know, really nice course. It's really well done. It's got a clubhouse that's outstanding, quite frankly. Why did you just write the name of the course down, but you don't want to say it? And you get in there and then there's the premix and it was it was horrendous. It actually ruined, it ruined the experience for me. And I know we talk a lot about the experience of golf, but you need to complete it. If you're going to charge the way you charge, you're going to claim to be a, you know, an A-grade facility and then you let yourself down on the food and bev. No, not, not happy. Absolute detest. Particularly if it's going to be something you're trying to drive a result and drive a better result and get people to spend more time and really enjoy existing within your clubhouse. Deliver, 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 deliver. Or just say, you know what, all we've got is a can of lemonade and Carlton Draft. Yeah, and I'm not coming back. Or I'll just walk off 18 and we'll drive to the local pub. Yep, no, I'm with you. So that's my, that's my hate for the week. I'm sure you've got a hate. Come on, Phil. Um, I do, Damien. Unsurprisingly, I've got a hate. And this hate, his name is Phil too. Or I like to call him Provisional Phil. Or Provisional Phil, the superstar golfer. I hate the fact that I am crap with my first ball. <laughs> but you give me Provisional Phil, or as has been coined, Phil too. Superstar. Phenomenal player. Should be off two. So Phil two should be off two or three. Phil one, 20, 18 at a push on a good day, maybe 10. Uh, I can't stand Phil two anymore. And I want to know what happens. I think you need, I think you need some tennis rules coming into that. You need a fault. 
You need, I need to be a fault. Able, you need I a need golf a fault. fault. I need Mulligan. Maybe Mulligan Phil. Mulligan Phil. Should At be least the next off the tee. Is this just off the tee or is this everywhere, Phil? Uh, no, predominantly off the tee because once I'm away, I'm away. But I will guarantee you that provisional Phil is guaranteed to hit a fairway, good trajectory, good shape. It's a tick, and it's, um, he's become quite famous. And uh, sadly, he's a much better player than me. So you're hating on Phil? I, I'm hating on Phil. Yeah, I know the feeling. Now, is there anything that you love? I love Phil too. Oh, right. <laughs> I love a provisional Phil is my favourite Phil. Is my favourite Phil. I'm so let down by the normal one that provisional Phil. I actually can't wait for provisional Phil to come out because he is able to deliver on everything I want about the game. So is Phil one? Is he half Phil? Phil one is. Phil two's the enigma. Or Phil is Phil two full Phil? Goodness gracious me! Phil one is a disappointment and has attempted to be disowned by. Me, Phil Two. Not only in, in fact, I'll, I'll declare this. Phil Two is not only a better player; he's actually better company, better bloke. He's a better person than Phil One. And can I tell you, he's a really good guy to be around because Phil One is just a knob. Any danger of meeting Phil Two? Um, play golf with me. Yeah, but you don't meet him on every hole. You only meet him every third or fourth hole. But boy, he's you know when he comes out, he's he's on fire. Phil Two. So you hate Phil. You hate Phil. You love Phil Two. I hate. Well, I hate Phil, but I hate the existence, hate the existence of, Phil of Phil 2. I love the existence right. of Phil 2. This is a confusing Phil, start. The provisional superstar. I'm sure I'm not the only one who is a much better player with the provisional ball than he is with his real ball. I've just got to work out how to hit the provisional first, and then then I'm in business. But enough about what I love. I want to know what you love. For me this week, my love is actually, it's a love of probably Phil and Phil 2. Thank you. This stems from our round last week when we went out and we, we played a, um, a lovely game of golf. Uh, we've got the music pumping. It was a really relaxed round. And I love hearing, I know we've spoken about music while we're playing, but I really love hearing or, or just seeing what other, what are the music choices of your playing partners? What we bring to the table, yeah. And, and it's very much, we had two, the two of us had very different, not different tastes, because we obviously, we both like the same kinds of music um, generally across the board but what we would choose for a golf round was it was markedly different you what did you go with you yeah, well, Hill, with Hilltop Hoods we kicked and, off with Hilltop Hoods and a bit of Bliss and SO yeah. um, big, my thinking being that it's just what I like and it was upbeat and, and relaxed and it got the atmosphere yeah, right? we were, that's we were pretty cruisy and we were having a great time and then we finished with we f- by the end of the round I think we were listening to Bowie from memory yeah, Bowie, David Bowie it, it was, it was fold, Ben Folds into Bowie yeah, we were we sort of mellowed out a little bit. Well, a bit like <laughs> yeah, that's right. Mm, a little bit like the round. Phil too prefers Bowie and Ben Folds, and he plays better listening to Ben Folds and Bowie. Well, that, there's a question there. Does the music affect the way in which we play tempo-wise? For example, if you've got some frenetic or music that's that's not hard listening, but but requires more attention, I guess. Do you think that affects the game at all? I. Don't have any doubt, and I think I probably discovered it most clearly because normally, if I was going to listen to a, a genre, that would be it for the round. Is that I'll, I'll stick hip hop? You mean? Yeah, is that I would choose that for a round or choose something else for the whole round. But going from where we started the round in terms of the beats and what we're listening to into ballpark was it ballpark music? I think got a play music, as well. Just got in there very briefly into Bowie and, and Ben Folds. I found my rhythm improved with I, I won't say the quality with the type of music. So as it moved more into rhythmic music, I, I found that I was more relaxed into it. I, just, I enjoy listening to both um, and, and enjoy listening to both a but lot. But do you traditionally work yourself into a round 
naturally anyway? Do you play better as you go on and you've got your eye in anyway? Or uh, well, I guess what I'm asking is, are you attributing it the better play later to the music that may not actually be the reason? Good, good question. I think this gets back to that what we we're discussing the the other podcast about walking versus being in a car. Is that normally the walking to me sets the tone, and, and if I was then going to listen to music, potentially I would listen to a music that matches the whale walk or the whale swing and, and try and set a mood for it. But I was taught that many years ago is to find a song. Um, so generally speaking, other than the modern day kids that are butchering a lot of classics, a song can be played at one speed for it to sound the best. And so if you find a song that matches a swing that you like and a swing rhythm that you like, then if you're singing that song in your head, it's likely that you're going to swing to that same rhythm. I happen to like swing to Hilltop Hoods, but interestingly... I've always told you to swing faster. But interestingly, as the round progressed, maybe it was just that fact that we got deeper into the round, more settled into a, a rhythm, and so the timing was was perfect. So Hilltop Hoods got us off, the first team got us going early, and then when we ran into some traffic, it was about you know calming down and being Settling a bit more down settled. Settling yeah. Did you find the same thing? Well, I don't think I've put that much thought into it, to be honest, because I haven't, I haven't played a hell yeah, true. I haven't played a lot of golf with music pumping out of a car the way in which we played it the other day. Potentially I, a bit loud. I love No, it wasn't too, but it wasn't too loud. It didn't affect anyone else. And I, I thought it was a fantastic thing to do. So for me, it was almost a novelty on its own. I wasn't too fussed about what music was playing because I think it's, I think the mood's more important necess- than the, than the tempo. I guess for me, I much prefer just have some noise. I mean, anything that drowns out the 42 voices in the head at any given backswing. Um, or the scintillating discussion of Phil too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, no, for, I don't think it made a hell of a lot of difference. No, but I loved it. Loved it. It was a great experience. Everyone get out there and make sure you are playing some music in your carts. Or at least you get try it. Off. Don't knock it till you've tried it. Yeah, you might not like it. And then in which case, well. Don't play with us. <laughs> Uh, I think it's a, I think that's an absolute game changer, Phil, which leads us into seamless game changing. Game changers, and we've touched on in the past this idea of one wanting to improve so that I see more of Phil one and less of Phil two, um, and practicing with purpose. But what struck me going to various driving ranges, either at golf courses where you can warm up hitting balls or standalone driving ranges, they give us nothing no hints to help our practice routine um, or to help what we're trying to do other than, oh, by the way, the flag over there is 150, that one's 175 and that one's 200. Or he's a teacher if you want to get a lesson. For yeah, or, or he's, a, he's a golf pro if you want to get a lesson. Um, and, and what I'd love to see is driving ranges actually give you the option of some practice cards or practice tips. So if you do want to practice with purpose, you're given that opportunity to have, here's my long game card. So here's um, a routine to work through. Or, and it might well be, here's what Adam Scott does on a practice fairway that actually helps to promote some of the PGA Tour superstars, or which we'll touch on. I think you've just. I think you've just got a new job for uh, Kipper. A little bit, like a little bit of work. Well, surely Kipper could come up with something. And if nothing else, if no one else wants it, then Kipper should come up with it for me. Yeah, and this is not about a lesson. This is about um, range games. Effectively, it's about saying here's a practice routine that if you want to work on something specifically. So you've you've got three different coloured cards: a long game, a mid game, and a short game. Um, or here are some routines the best players in the world use, or try and hit five shots here and six shots there rather than needing to create them for yourself. And I think what you'll end up is 
considered practice time, considered improvement. For me, it means that Phil too gets further out of my life, even though he's a better bloke, but I can work on that. But but it's a really important, I think it's a really important difference and I think it can change that engagement you also get at a range, short of being a top golf or having this top tracer range. Now, as we're talking about um, game changes, Damien, I noticed as you uh, walked to the first tee the other day when we were playing that there was a certain clarity in your eyes that I don't recall seeing before. Was there any reason for that? I was, I was wondering if this would ever ever come up or if you even noticed it. Um, so, Phil, this is my game changer for uh, for this week. It's called Sober Golf. <laughs> what? what? Or more specifically, not hungover golf. Not through any uh, not through any fault of my own. I actually didn't get to have my customary couple of glasses of red the night before, and I woke up feeling fresh as a daisy. <laughs> it makes such a difference. You've discovered that it makes a difference, I've don't you? Yeah, so I don't mind. I mean, having a having a little drink on course occasionally, or doing whatever we do um, every par three, which we like. That's something we like. Turning up to the course stone cold, happy. Happy Pappy is <laughs> something I think I need to incorporate this into my game. I think alcohol makes a bit of a difference, I guess, is what I'm saying. So the course management flowed as a result of that. I mean, you said that you actually managed your way around the course better. Do you think that had anything to do with the the absolute clarity of mind and, and let's say, eyes? No, no. I don't actually think that had anything to do with it. I think that had more to do with my, um, my ability to see the ball clearly and hit it properly and make decent contact. I think that makes a bit of a difference. So have you ever played – have you ever had a drink and then played? <laughs> um, the best example I can give of, of this idea of playing golf sober versus playing golf what we'll describe as hungover – or slightly cloudy. There's a, there's a very famous and very, very long-running golf event called the Walker Cup. Some people instantly would think it was an amateur event. Ah, this uh, is your Walker Cup. At, at a very premium um, and elite level. Well, in reality, it is at a very elite level. It's just elite in terms of the ability for the gentlemen who go up to drink. But because there is a Calcutta involved in the event, what happens on the last night is that there is a sworn duty to ensure that the leader does not go to the first tee clear of thought or mind. It is the sworn duty of the person who owns him from the Calcutta to ensure that the leader goes to the first tee clear of mind. Were there not to be empirical evidence that suggests that playing golf sober is significantly better than not playing golf sober, then everybody would be saying get to bed. It's just, it's one of those games that you can't get away with it. You can't get away with it. It's such a finite game, well, such a specific game with very small margins for error that the slightest bit of cloudy head. And now I know John John Daly's going to be a bit of an exception here. <laughs> yeah, well, to a number of things. Yes, yes. There's always the exception to the rule. But yeah, no, that's something I've definitely learned. I, I know, it's a sample size of one, as, as I've said, said previously. So David, in our next round, am I likely to find you... Uh, being Damien 1 or Damien 2? I'm not likely to make a habit of it. <laughs> well, then you'll at least have, be able to have that comparison point. That's it. It's all in the name of science, Phil. You are a mad scientist, Damien. All in the name but of the science. the things you do for golf barons, we appreciate it. So that's something that I can do or we can all do um, to help ourselves. But what about what about products, Phil? Have you got anything for Gear Effect this week, something that's taken down the technology angle? Yeah, Gear Effect for this week, Damien, was actually more about um, what a new player will never know that someone who's been in the game for 20 plus years will and it struck me when I opened a um, an old case or cabinet up at a house in the country and I pulled out two woods and one of them was a, a Roger Cleveland Cleveland Classic P2 
Persimmon driver. One of them was a McGregor Muirfield MT Metalwood. And what really occurred to me is the fact that someone who's picked up the game in the last 10 years, they might know 430cc, they certainly would have met 445cc but they, from a driver point of view. But in reality, their life is 460cc driver. Someone who picked up the game as I did in 19... Well, a while back, pre-Metalwoods coming into existence, is I knew wooden heads and then I knew the first metal wood from Tullamade and then I knew more and more metal woods and then we knew the progression to titanium and into, into different metals and then stainless steel and combination and tungsten, away you go. But we've seen this progression over 35 years that has been massive leap forward that a player picking up the game in the last five or ten years or particularly today they will never see. And in fact, the way things are heading, they may well see technology a being... Regression. Well, not a regression per se, well, retracted, but a retraction, uh, yeah. Yeah, it is, it is retracted or regressed in many respects. You know, we're asking them the brakes to be put on when all we've known playing golf is the brakes to be off yeah. the whole way through. And it just occurred to me, uh, and I've got a couple of them there, it just occurred to me that difference in size. But the other one was the fact that the very first metal woods were smaller than the wooden drivers that they were replacing. Yeah, well, I'm looking. I'm looking at these two here, and the heads on these are. I mean, fairway woods now have bigger. They still have larger heads oh, to the clearly, eye, anyway. Yeah. yeah. So these things really are are small. So, and we all we all grew up on these, or we played with them when we started out, or at least at some point during our journey. So it's a fair point you say that these people aren't going to get a get a chance, I guess, to, unless they go out of their way in order to do it, like we did with which our old versus yeah. old versus new. Yeah, yeah, which is great fun too. It really was fantastic. But do you think? Do you think that's any different, though, to golfers before us who would be looking at it going, well, hang on, you never played, I don't know, um, uh, gutter percha balls. You always have the advancement of the time. So is it any actually, is it any different? Or is it because we've had such an, a, an acceleration of, um, of the technology over a short period that you sort of see that, that playing into it? Well, wooden woods were the go. Let, let's just talk driver. Wooden wood was the go from 1600 through to 1985, let's say, first Tullamore, Tullamore Metalwood 1985, in reality through to the early 90s when they stopped being used on tour. So we've had wooden woods for 380 years. So in terms of progression, the main, the main area we've seen is, is the, say, the golf ball more than anything else um, as things have progressed. But the changes over 35 years even with golf balls, and in fact over the last 10 years with golf balls, 15 years with golf balls, has been more dramatic than any other um, at any point in time. So, yeah, it's just been condensed. So the changes, you know, gutter percha, um, you know, when we think about the golf balls and, and feathery and all these things, you know, they, they pr- progressed slowly over time. And then, yes, it was a leap when Sirland came about and then when the golf ball size changed and, and a few other things. But, no, it's more it's more just that acknowledgement of, of how quickly the game has changed. But now, in many respects, from a design point of view, now it's about the real boffins, the real NASA tech guys moving into golf saying, what if we can make it do this and what if we can make it do that? Because we have maxed so many elements out. Um, and I like that fact. We've discussed that before. I like the fact that technology is allowed to continue to to grow and flourish. So you've been looking backwards. Now I want to go forwards. I want to look a little bit forwards. Wedges and some of the newer wedges that are out at the moment. The Mizuno T20s. I don't know if you've seen these. Those things are unbelievable. Um, and even the, the the Ping Glide 3.0 wedges, which have just been released as well, or fairly recently. Uh, there, I have a fascination around wedges. Obviously, 
we spoke about how I've just moved to a, a lower spinning ball and I've had I've seen some really um, positive results from doing that and being sober well I don't know if the two go together but because of that I know that around the green I'm not going to get the reaction on the ball that I'd like or I used to get or I'm used to getting and you know I'm a bit of a spinner I like to spin the ball going in so I need to get everything I can out of my wedges and these these two in particular are some of the you know I think the wedges haven't been this good for a very long time or possibly ever I think I think they're they're considering every element it certainly appears that more time is being spent designing wedges than has been previous so a lot more has been thought has been put into grooves, milled faces, milled grooves, the finishes, the hydroflow grooves through to hydropearl finishes on ping about moisture management. So it's actually not necessarily about maximising spin off perfect conditions, but it is about Consistent, consistently yeah. excellent spin in all conditions, no matter whether it's out of the rough, moisture on the ball, out of the middle of the fairway and otherwise. And so I do think it's gone through the roof and I love it I even love detail like the amount of offset and the thought around offset in wedges which doesn't initially make sense when you're thinking about blades but even Bob Vokey quoted Seve Bellasteros one of the things that he loved um, on his wedges during that when he was at his peak was offset because it allowed him to trap the ball allowed him to therefore spin the ball and hold the ball on the, the club face a little bit longer um, and so there's all these things coming more heavily into wedge design than ever before. So I think we're in a, a bit of a I love wedges. Age. I think they're often the forgotten, the forgotten sticks in the bag. I remember wedges growing up. The wedges were the things that we used to use mostly as kids because we'd go around to all those. You remember the old pitch and putt courses? So we'd go around. Actually, whatever happened to them? There was so we used to I pitch think and they putt. Died. Pitch, well, it's, it's a real shame because I, I, we're talking about growing the game, and. We've got less and less of these little pitch and putt courses or that kind of a, you know, I guess even par threes to a degree, but the little short game courses where kids can learn, um, or not even just kids, anyone getting into the game, because that's the part of the game, as we know, if you can master that, you're going to be, you're going to have a pretty a pretty happy golf life or a golf journey. Um, what, whatever happened, I mean, I, I wish there were more of those being created. I know it's difficult land-wise and cost of land these days, Um but any, any new golf project that's being built needs to think of, of this sort of thing if, if we're truly trying to grow the game. Well, it'll, they are effectively training courses, and I know we've moved off wedges onto this, but they are training courses, and they're, they're golf as a family courses, and this is the, the way I look at them. Throughout a lot of Europe, golf is played in families, and the perfect opportunity to introduce the game as a family and spend time together is with little short, bite-sized holes, be it with synthetic greens and tees, be it with grass greens and tees. But the, there are less of them than ever before, um, and I'm not sure that there's a heap being done to preserve. There may be, but I'm not sure there's a heap being done to preserve and protect them. I know there's, um, you know, we're in Melbourne. I know there's one at the New Eastern. Yeah, um, the Path 3 Shark Waters. Yearing. I know there's one on uh, in Mulgrave. Uh, Roville, I think it is actually uh, down uh, there. Roville, there's, there's a, a guy who's built his own one down at Phillip Island, um, which is a beautiful little pitch and putt course and then some in Sydney you know at Terry Hills in Sydney and so there's a few of them around but there's not a lot of them and they're an ideal place to progress kids because again when we're talking about getting kids into the game of golf we can take them to golf simulators but they don't get to taste and feel the game as it is and if we take them onto a full-size golf course then it's just going to be too hard Uh, and I know from my point of view I think you mentioned that you effectively you started golf playing pitch and putt I started playing golf at Studley Park par 3 golf course exactly right yeah Um, where it was just bite size and manageable 
Um, and maybe that's when I learnt to hit it short. Maybe that's why you don't hit it far. That's, that's not a bad point you raise. Thanks for agreeing with me. <laughs> it's hard not to. You've got to go. But yeah, that's something I'd love to see more of. I, I don't know how we ended up here, but... Um, <laughs> how could we not have, Damien? We're all over the shop. Uh, I want to talk to you this week about something that, that's trending, uh, and it's something that we covered in the latest issue of Baron's Life, baronslife.com. Make sure you get over and subscribe for free. Fashion. Fashion, Phil, something that you're not that au fait with, but something that I think we all need to start to pay a little bit more attention to because there are some fantastic uh, colours coming out, a lot of floral prints coming out uh, as we highlighted. And I think it's it's about time we loosened up a little bit. I think with our dress sense uh, in in Australia, we've been we've been pretty conservative over time, very traditional, very conservative. I think it's time that we we start flying, you know, getting these florals and these this colour into our game. We've stopped taking ourselves too seriously, and I think we've taken the whole game in ourselves too seriously for too long. And if you think about going back to the the great era of the seventies, when you've got Nicholas and Palmer and all the rest, they were renowned for colour. It was so Peacock Evan. Yeah, and now now colour and prints are coming in, and, and be it floral print or be it other wacky designs, I, I think they're fantastic and they're subtle enough that they can be worn anywhere, but it gives yourself a chance to express your personality with your clothing. And, and look, they might be floral printed shorts or printed shorts, shirts, um, there's four buttons, there's button-down collars, there's all these other things. And it's a fantastic trend that we're just letting go we're just letting go a little bit of the way we felt we always had to look and saying, but I just like that shirt. And you know me, I can't wear anything well. That's kind of true. But I still know what I like to look at and what I wish I could wear well. And and there's never been as much eye candy for me in fashion as there is now. Well, I think it's been a bit of a throwback to the to the swagger era of the 70s. And I think we talk about, oh, we always need to get more colour in, we need to do more of this. But the truth is it was here and we've we turned our back on it. And now it's coming back in... Uh, it's coming back in more mainstream. I mean, it's, it's always sort of been there on the fringes, but now it's becoming a mainstream um, approach, which, I think, better for it, which yeah. I think is, fa- is, is great for us. Um, it's just something I think we just need to market a little bit better. Um, yeah, I think from a, a marketing point of view, it's a, it's a really seamless link as well, Damien, because I know that you wanted to give me a chance to get on my high horse about this. <laughs> You've been on about this. I'm, I'm going to sit back and it, listen to it. It's time that we started as idea to market the exciting things about the game of golf or in fact any sport but what would excite a kid to play and I'm going to give you a couple of uh, keywords here Damien you tell me which excites you more safe or fast like if you're a kid oh if you're going to deliver it like that (laughs) fast Phil so I think so uh, and where that's come from is that I think we we sometimes lose sight of who we're trying to market to and we start to say we've just got to be safe and in this society we've got to be safe and everything's got to be safe and don't walk to school and don't do this and don't do that as opposed to golf is dynamic. Kids, you're going to learn to move a golf ball or move a ball faster than any game you're ever going to play unless you happen to go and play highlight. You're going to smash it. In which case, take a helmet and have a will. But the safe side of it has got to be a given. The fact that it's going to be taught in, in an environment that is safe and we're not going to allow anyone to get hurt. But the excitement is what's going to get kids in. And it's like cricket. If you could say to a kid, go to cricket and stand still, you're dressed weird um, and you've got to clap at the end of every six balls or at the end of every delivery. 
compelling or not? Not particularly, but that's fairly ordinary. Yeah, I'm going on some... You hate cricket. I You're really so don't mean like it much. It. It's a great sport. Um, but if you said to the kids, by the same token, go and learn to dive for catches on grass, or smash learn to bowl the ball stumps fast down. enough that you may well be able to break someone's ribs, or smash try, a ball... Try and knock your mate out with a bouncer, yeah. That's right, or smash a ball to the boundary and make your mates go and chase it. It's really quite compelling. Well, it's the same for golf. The exciting things about golf is what kids want to hear, because then it'll be a far easier sales job for the parents to say, I'd like you to get you, get, to get you into golf. Oh, that's the one where you smash the ball, isn't it? Yeah, it's re- it really... You're, right, you're on, actually onto something here. It really is not marketed in an exciting way at all is it golf it's it's really mundane and it, we need to get that excitement you're you're 100 right and i'm struggling with the fact i'm agreeing with you yeah uh, you are i can see it in your face that you're struggling but makes it, me feel like i'm wrong but exciting is not sprinting bef- between shots no i mean that like understand that yeah you're going to put all your energy into this and then you get to relax then put all your energy into this and then relax um it, that's okay because it's unique to this game. But let's just, I mean, get a whiteboard and write down all the awesome things about the game and what would a kid would love? Like what would Willy Wonka if he was pitching the, the what game What the kid golf? inside us love? What is the thing that got us into the yeah, game? It kids. wasn't to go and spend six hours walking around a course being told we can't run across this. In a safe environment. Feeling very safe, Phil. Come on, man. Golf is not a safe word. No, no. Oh, don't, well, it could be for you, but it's well, not. Well, it for depends me. how weird you are. And anyway, we won't. Well, no, we won't. We won't. I, I can see that it's got you a little bit worked up. You're a little bit on your high horse. Let's bring you down a peg. Let's try and find something that's going to relax you, Phil. What are you dreaming of this week? When I relax, Damien, and this week I've been relaxing a lot, thinking about returning to, and that is, yeah, it's a bit of a showing off, but returning to Pinehurst. Oh, wow. Number two? Number two would be nice. I'd take any of the other seven. Um, Pinehurst is – I spoke about St Andrews being golf heaven. Then Pinehurst has only just stopped short of these infamous pearly gates that that exist. Um, I'm tipping you'd be able to get a a proper gin and tonic there. uh, I I think you can get a proper few things at Pinehurst. Um, But it's just – it's a majestic place that's steeped in history and tradition – but is also a place where you can go and celebrate new technology and celebrate the ability to hit a drive longer than 150 metres if I oh, happen to get onto one, or um, or all the great modern things about the game of golf, not just the history of it. And it's this beautiful mix that allows it in a great setting um, and with golf on tap. It, it's an incredible place, and I would love, would love, love, love to get back to Pinehurst and would happily go back there ahead of going to some other places that I haven't been before just because I know how good it is. So you're pining for Pinehurst? I, pine is everything. Well, I'm pine, speaking of pines, what I'm talking about this week is uh, covered in them, covered in flooded pines, actually. Flooded? Flooded gums? I think it's called something along those lines. Uh, nice research. I'm taking us up to um, up near Coffs Harbour in the New South Wales coast to Bonville Golf Resort. Oh, you love Bonville. You've always loved Bonville. I do. I love it. It was coined Australia's Augusta. By? by well, I know I did that. Well, I did say that once <laughs> oh, in, a, you in jump an article on that I wrote. One, did you? I'm sure someone has said that before me. Um, it just reminds me so much of Augusta. Is it the undulation? Is it the – like, describe that. It's the – well, one, it's the green. It's the, the actual shock of green that you get. It's quite manicured. The pines along – it is the pines, really. The pines that frame holes – 
is just so Georgian-like. It is gorgeous. Um, gorgeous Georgians. Um, and everything about it, I absolutely love. I haven't been there for, I think it's about five or six years now. In fact, yeah, it'd be six years. Last time I was there, I had a, um, uh, I was doing a tour. I had a group there and we were, we were playing something, something Masters, our own Masters event. And it was the year that uh, Adam Scott won the Masters. So there we were all eating our breakfast before going out for our final round watching the excitement and the whole place erupted when, when Scotty dropped the um, dropped that last putt uh, to, to win the first green jacket for Australia. Couldn't have scripted it better. The place is magnificent. I'll tell you one thing they have absolutely nailed at Bonville is the food and Bev. It is incredible. And if you're going to go that far, you want everything to be perfect. So how good is it to, to know that they have nailed every bit? Can you get a real... Gin and tonic at oh, can Bonneville? you what? And the selection of wines, oh, some of the some of the Shiraz in there, or the uh, or actually, I think they might even have some Bordeaux in there and some Burgundies. So, would it be leading in your mind of your golf course in Australia? Is that leading the best wine list? Um, well, it's, it's leading it at this stage. Although, again, it's five. It's been a few years since I've been up there, so we do need to go. But you haven't been there, have you? No, I oh, have. Okay, Phil, I'm I'm putting this out there. We are going there on a golf baron's journey. I'm. Taking you to to Bonville and paying. I'm taking you to Bonville, and we'll be having a fantastic time. I promise you will love it. Um, I can't wait to do it. All right, now that we've said it, we have to do it. We've got a few journeys to get to now, don't we? Yeah, we we, we do. We're travelling fairly well all over the world and all over Australia, and we're just looking for a, a couple of friends to help us along the way. Make sure you've got your passport ready. Now, that was my trip down memory lane um, and something that I'm dreaming of, but it's time for a history lesson with Phil. Big fella, what have you got for us this week? Um, well, this week is about breaking barriers, Damien. It's a bit of a serious um, history topic, but it's about where golf, I suppose, came from and a couple of gentlemen who who helped change the way we looked at it and changed it forever, and particularly in the context of Tiger Woods now and Harold Varner three. you know, they changed the game forever. Um, and it was two gentlemen by the name of Charlie Sifford and Lee Elder. So Charlie Sifford um, was the first... African-American to play on the PJ Tour. And Tiger Woods described him as the grandpa that he never had. So, so you know, broke, broke down all the, the barriers and just said, no, I'm here to play and I'm good enough to play um, and away we go. Lee Elder was the first African-American to play the Masters and that's in 1975. Uh, and he had to uh, compete against a little bit and I'm not talking about other players. And if you think about that, that time, one of the things that he spoke most fondly of was the reception that he received when he played Augusta for the first time in front of a crowd, despite being nervous. But it would be fair to say that he um, he was playing in the wake of, and it has never been fully declared, but death threats. Yeah. Um, about yeah. if you if you do this, it's just not going to be a good result. And in the face of that, he still shot seventy four in his first round ever at the Masters, which I think is absolutely phenomenal. Interestingly, his very first win um, on the tour, Lee Elder's first win on the PGA Tour, was in Pensacola in Florida and it was at a golf course that previously he had been barred from the clubhouse yet he still wanted to go and go back and and win and break through so that it's really about breaking down the barriers one of the interesting facts about Charlie Sifford Tiger Woods son Charlie mm-hmm. has been named was named after Charlie Sifford is that true uh, and Tiger Woods referred to him as the grandpa he never had because he he knew that he just created an opportunity for for him and and 
hundreds of thousands of, of kids in the sporting landscape in, in the United States. So, yeah, a bit of a bit of a, a breaking down barriers history lesson for you. Only a short one today, Damien. No, but that's very that's important. A, that's a nice, that's a very important one, um, and I'm glad you've brought it to our attention. So, good man. What's well, the good person that I am? That must have been Phil too. That's tenuous links for today. Special thanks to today's sponsor, Daphne's Head Covers. These things really are the coolest head covers out there, and they're definitely the most fun that you're going to find. For those of you who haven't yet, please jump on to baronslife.com and subscribe for free to get all of our updates, our Golf Barons show reminders, and issues of Barons Life, our golf and lifestyle digital magazine. Bill, great to have you again today. Thank you, Damien. Until next time. Keep adding some of that swagger to your swing. 